Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Leyline Junction. On today's show, we are going to be talking about the threes in the tarot deck. And in doing so, we will be coming across one specific card later in our conversation that hints at a history of violence, that hints at past trauma, perhaps involving something like sexual assault. Now, we're not going to get into any details about a situation like that, but we are going to talk about ways to broach those subjects should they be coming up in a reading. We here at Leyline Junction recognize that this is only our third episode and this is a serious topic for us to get into. Just want to let you know it's coming. All that and more today on the Leyline Junction. And welcome to the Leyline Junction podcast. How are we doing today? Awesome. Very well. It's Friday. I just wanted <laughs> to give the people a song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today we are talking about the threes. Looking at what we've got here. So from a numerology standpoint, uh, Threes typically refer to community, collaboration, um, working with the people around you. Two's company, three's a crowd, right? Kind of thing. Um, so looking at the wands, uh, we have, and again, we're, we're starting with uh, images from the Rider Waite and Smith deck. Uh, we have a character standing with wands embedded into the ground. Uh, he's leaning on one for support and looking out into the distance. So this, uh, in terms of a textbook interpretation of this card, uh, we're talking about getting help from uh, our community, getting help from the people around us uh, when we are beginning a creative process. Um, for a reversed meaning, it could mean that you are disconnected from the opinions of the people around you and you need to pay more attention to listening to those. But let me ask about your experience with these cards. So I'm sorry, I didn't even say, Joanne, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Hi. I, I am a horrible host. Uh, so, yes, I have, down. I have with me today uh, my good friends, Joanne and Teresa. Uh, as I've said before, these two are the people I would normally go to if I have questions on working with tarot, and I do. So let's start off with the three of wands how do you typically interpret this card when it comes up in a reading so for me it is support 
So it was, you know, the textbook explanation is actually pretty, pretty accurate. It, it always looks to me, especially with, you know, your typical deck, you either have somebody, they're holding that wand, they're kind of, looks like they're leaning on it. To me, that's always represented like support or the beginning or end of a journey, depending on how the card is around, but mostly it's support. For me and the deck that I usually use, which is the Arthurian Legend deck by Anna Marie Ferguson, it's uh, the the picture on the deck, or on, I'm sorry, on this card, it shows what looks like like a family um, getting ready to uh, sell a horse or buy a horse. To me, this one always came across as a self-made business savvy person making educated decisions increasing their own status and you know and surrounded by other people for support or family support so that's and similar to what joanna's saying um a supportive family that's helping you in in find profit i'm curious your card teresa are other people around yep in there so that's very interesting. And, and the reason I, I say that is because typically, so I have two separate decks and I am so sorry, I cannot tell you what the second deck who created it or illustrated because this desk deck can technically drink. Um, it's that old. So, <laughs> but, and I don't have anything the, left the from box, it. The box is long gone. Oh, just, disintegrated years ago it, it's it's an old deck I bought it in the 90s but it it's old but you two separate you have that single person and that one person that that but they're still leaning on those wands for support so it's interesting that your deck has actually people around it you know out you know outside that you know typically they have that one person and they're surrounded by the wand so it's interesting that your deck is somewhat different can you can you tell us a little bit about the the deck you're referring to, where it came from, how you came across it, and um, why you think the '90s was such a long time ago? Because wow, that was like <laughs> that was like yesterday to me. It was ten years ago, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're all in our four, mid to late forties. That's why. Um, so the deck I'm referring to is a Renaissance deck, and it's a deck I actually found at our local Renaissance fair. Um, and I picked it up and it's always been the deck that I used to use doing tarot readings, you know, just for myself, for friends, Teresa, you know, I think I practiced on Teresa a lot. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it was, that was my first deck that I picked up and I was like, wow, this is better than playing cards. And I didn't know that you could have something better than playing cards. Because to me, it's easier to understand looking at the, you know, the paintings and the pictures and everything to kind of interpret it. So, yeah, this is, uh, I literally saw it across the, across the room, or in this case, across like a little path area. And uh, it, that was it. I was like, I have to have this, these cards. And I bought them. And I haven't regretted it since. So this was your first illustrated deck? Yep. I unfortunately can't tell you. <laughs> any more about it, about it than that so any so you've given us your interpretation of the card when it comes up any 
personal associations, personal meanings, anything along those lines that you can share with us? For my, for mine, um, for the Arthurian legend card, it always just kind of made me think of like a farmer's market, like a family's, a family owned stall at a farmer's market, like a family endeavor, a business endeavor that is a little more personal and not, you know, just a cold company, if that makes sense. Jumping on to the three of cups, uh, we have an image of three women in celebration, uh, each holding their cup high into the air. This is a supposed to be a celebration of friendship. So take time to uh, appreciate the friends around you and take some time to be playful, to dance, to sing, and to be spending this quality time with family. Reversed, I've seen suggestions either that you may be overindulging in the partying lifestyle um, and to be careful there, or to pay close attention to where friendships may be suffering and think about what needs to be done in order to rebuild those. But going further from that, uh, what are your thoughts on this card? For me, this is a platonic friendship card. This is the girls' night, you know, the quote-unquote girls' night, the let our hair down, blow off some steam. We deserve it. This is this is a time to just enjoy life or have a night of, you know, celebration or merriment. In the Arthurian legend deck, it's a little calmer where they're just kind of hanging out around a little pond so in the buffy deck written by casey gilly illustrated by carl james mountford it's a picture of buffy willow and xander i mean i'm basically seeing them at the bronze hanging out dancing on the dance floor with drinks in hand and to me that's an absolute it's a night out we're having fun we we deserve it we just saved the world again let's go dance Absolutely. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what this card always, always comes up as is platonic, strong friendships, girls night out, just doing something cool, doing something nice and, and relaxing for them. Bonding. It's a bonding um, time. Thank you. And a total side note here uh, to our listeners, uh, the three of us discussed this outside of the recording, but with, with regards to like the Buffy deck, we're, we're trying to give the information we have here with, while giving as few spoilers to the series as possible. Uh, but I will say if you are not familiar with the Buffy verse and you're thinking of maybe getting into the Buffy verse, there are definitely a lot of spoilers in that deck. So be careful there. But we're going to do our best to avoid whatever spoilers we can. I think what I like about about pop culture decks, especially for shows that you really connect with, and that's why for Joanne, the Nightmare Before Christmas deck, for me, the Buffy deck, the images in the cards, when they're really well done, are so spot on. And they like 
when you can remember that moment of a show that meant a lot to you, and there's a very poignant moment of that show that's depicted on a card, that card all of a sudden had like, it just fills you with that energy. You feel it. And I think that really enhances your card reading when you're able to tap in like that. And I think for a lot of our listeners who are just learning the deck for the first time could be a fantastic way of like, you know, seeing the card and instantly knowing where it is we're headed with that. All right. So I do want to move on to what's actually, in terms of imagery, one of the most iconic cards of uh, the Rider Waite and Smith deck. And I want to talk a little bit, you know, I've I've been using this term textbook definition, and I've said things like, my notes show, and I haven't really cited any of my sources. And that's really because I'm I'm reading like six different books on the topic, and most of them do not give a whole lot of detail about each card, which is really where the incentive came from for to have this conversation with the two of you is because I wanted to get more details. I wanted to get in depth. But for the most part, all of my sources tend to say the same thing, especially if they only give me a couple sentences or maybe a paragraph of information. There are, however, two sources I've got that I rely on the most for individual cards because they do go into a little more detail. And strangely enough, on this card, uh, the Three of Swords, they diverge quite a bit on what they're saying. So basically, if I'm referring generically to my notes, the Three of Swords is about opinions from friends or from the community that is going to hurt. Uh, The image depicted here is three swords piercing a heart. So again, we have that theme of the community. These are not internal things. These are opinions coming from outside of us, but there is pain in this card. Now, where these other two sources kind of diverge on this, So the first book I'm looking at is Guided Tarot for Seamless Readings by Stephanie Capone. And she notes that these outside opinions are ones from the past, something that the subject of the reading is holding on to. And those memories or those unresolved feelings are preventing us from moving forward. The other book that I'm looking at, Finding the Fool, by Meg Jones Wall. Uh, she suggests that this is a revelation that is yet to come, that you, the subject of the readings, is not currently aware of these negative opinions, but is something that they're about to encounter. So obviously, that all still deals with kind of a negative view coming from friends, family, or community. But these two sources were very specific on where and when that's coming from. And I found their different interpretations of that very interesting. So I wanted to ask about, again, your experience with this card. My experience has always been heartbreak, loss, devastation. And it's funny because the card in reverse, so is forgiveness and moving on. And it's like one of those few cards where 
the up, you know, the reverse is better than the original, you know, the way it's, you know, face um, upright. So, but to me, I've always experienced when this comes up, it's heartbreak loss, no matter what's around it. it it's not a um, happy card. So I'm, I'm going to jump in for a moment. We know there are other cards that represent devastation. Looking through the imagery of the suit of swords, I'm seeing several others that are probably going to oh, yeah. have a very similar message. So how how would you say the three is unique? Uh, so your, your sources kind of surprised me a little bit because I don't see this card as something having to do with words or talking behind your back. Like that seemed to be the the interpretation um, that you read. Uh, for me, this is unavoidable sorrow. This is a sorrowful phase of life that, I mean, everybody goes through grief, loss, heartbreak, just like Joanne said. For me, this is all about the picture. Like it's always what story are the cards telling based on the pictures that are depicted. And so in the Arthurian legend deck, there's a uh, a knight is weeping by a fountain. It's a very sorrowful card. The Buffy one, it's a scene. It's a very poignant scene from the show where we're losing a character that is very beloved. And it's it's definitely a grief, um, a loss and a grief. And for me, like these kinds of like the the swords through the heart, even the Buffy deck uses that imagery above the scene, the picture of the scene that they're depicting. It's it's a knife to the heart. What's that feel? It's it's heartbreak. It's abs. It's it, it's emotional pain that has evolved into physical pain to that point because it's such a difficult time. On that note. We'll jump back into a more, slightly more positive card, uh, the Three of Pentacles. So the Three of Pentacles, again, I'm going back to my notes instead of specific citations here. The Three of Pentacles, uh, the image depicted is said to be a designer who is sharing his new construction, uh, his design with the people around him. This card suggests that uh, it is time to take your work and share it with the community, uh, that you've got something good going here. And this this card encourages us to be more confident in what we've got uh, and the value of what we know we have and to share it with those around us and to get further support from them. So I'm just going to jump in. So I, I agree with the what, what that textbook says. To me, it's always been, yeah, teamwork, team building, showing your work to and your talents to others in the community. So it, it's really spot on. For my um, interpretation, and again, the majority of my um, my reading experience was with this legend of um, the Arthurian legend tarot deck. And as opposed to the other, the um, 
the three of wands, the three of shields or pentacles shows a lone person working very industriously um, in a room on their own. Um, and a light is shining on them. So to me, the, the interpretation is a positive one that they are um, going to be very profitable, but this is a more singular interpretation. So it's a little bit flipped, I think, than they typically are, where to me, the interpretation was a hard worker plugging away, making their money. And in other decks, it's a teamwork effort. Okay, thank you very much. So it it does feel like for the threes, they they tend to be fairly straightforward. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of argument here. So that's that's good for those of us learning these decks. We have already talked about different examples from different decks. Was there any deck you wanted to highlight that you haven't been able to talk about? Actually, I do. I don't know about you guys. I do have a tarot deck app on my phone <laughs> that I occasionally, like it gives a daily card. I don't know how it picks the daily card. I don't know if everybody who has the app gets the same daily card or if it shuffles it itself. I don't know, but I definitely, like I always have a tarot deck in my pocket whenever I have my phone with me. And Joanne has actually seen me use it to make a decision sometimes yep. um, for stupid stuff, like silly, silly stuff. Like, do we want the potato skins or the spinach dip? <laughs> it's more of like a, a coin flip kind of thing. Right. Um, right. The card comes up. That's yeah. how we're going to choose. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But actually I, I've had this for like several years and this deck is called the Rosetta Tarot and it's by M.M. Maline. I, I don't know how I found it. I don't remember how I found it, but the one that, so, well, let me start with the not so fun one. Uh, the three of swords. I mean, it's, it's a sad one. And the, actual descriptive one word the one word descriptor at the bottom of the card is sorrow and i'll read the full description here because to me this speaks of a another different kind of sorrow i think the three of swords to go back to your question jeff as to what is the difference between the three of swords as opposed to any other sword that depicts sadness or something upsetting I think that the three of swords has something to do with like something that is completely out of your control. It's a, it's a sorrow. It's a, a difficulty that you had no way of avoiding. It had nothing to do with you being at fault for anything. It's just something that happens. And let me describe this, the Rosetta, the Rosetta tarot, three of swords here, the masculine force of the mind violates and shatters the feminine rose in order to force up the secrets of the universe. But the great mother objects to this forced penetration. We feel sorrow, grief, and dejection. There is pain, and in pain, all we can do is learn from it. This is the pain of the misuse of the intellect. And the card itself does show three 
swords penetrating a rose. And to me, this is, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it's like a rape card. It's a, it's an assault card. So again, like it's very different. Like it, it depends on the deck and the art, the artwork, the description that somebody wrote about it, what their interpretation of it was. Hi, footnote here. Okay. So this card, this rape card came up in our conversation. And as we were discussing, we kind of blew right past it. And as we were talking, we finished the interview portion. And then fortunately, we kept recording as we were talking amongst ourselves a little more casually, a little more informally. And the conversation came back around to this card. And it brought up several issues that I think needed to be talked about. And so I'm going to go ahead and paste in that conversation that we had there about dealing with this card. So here, this is a little from our conversation after the interview. Uh, I want to talk about how we reflected on that card. Let's assume that you've got a card that screams something like rape to you, and it comes up in a reading. How would you broach that? You know, what, what kind of precautions would you take? I guess, what are, what are some <laughs> words of caution that might be advisable to somebody who, you know, let's, let's start off with somebody who does see this as a party trick, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do? And then let's also go the route of let's take somebody who, you know, puts a lot of trust and faith mm -hmm. that the universe is communicating a message through this. Again, how would you broach that? What kind of trigger warning would you have? Um, yeah. And how how much advice are you comfortable giving based on a card like that? I mean, from the start, you you want to make sure that, you know, this is for entertainment purposes only, yada, yada, yada. Take from it what you want. To me, a lot of like the these cards really just initiate a conversation that I would have with a friend. But as far as like really touchy things like death, murder, rape, sexual assault, other forms of assault, you know, things that are really heavy, it really depends on how, I, I mean, I don't know that I would okay. want to talk about that with a stranger necessarily, but it also kind of depends on how, how the conversation is going. You know, like if you're talking to a skeptic, I wouldn't bring stuff like that up. You know, if they're, if they're there to test you, it's better to leave that alone and let them go away thinking, oh, this is bull um, rather than touch a nerve that is, I don't feel is my responsibility to touch. If it's meant to, if they're meant to like come around to something like that, it'll hit them in another way, in my opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's, that's me not going less secular with it and more like my spiritual belief. I believe that 
you get your message, you will get your message regardless. But so let me let me pause you there. Mm -hmm. um, the message will come across. Let's say the cards are trying to communicate something important. You know, it's it's one thing to say it's not your responsibility. You are not a doctor, right? Yeah. It is not your responsibility to help this person confront this. But if we do believe that the cards are trying to communicate through us, do we have a responsibility? Mm -hmm. That doesn't that doesn't need an answer right now. Mm -hmm but it is something I would like to think about. It's just so dependent on the situation and the person. So when I was doing readings for profit, um, I made it very clear that this is for entertainment purposes only. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not going to tell you what lottery numbers are going to happen. I'm not going to tell you if Aunt Fran is going to die. I'm not telling you that. I'm not going to tell you to break up with your boyfriend. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> right. However, when it the situation has come up when i've done the reading and you see something like you know you i just kind of look and say i'm just going to ask you some questions and you can answer them if you want want to or not and kind of kind of have some leading questions into and in starting a dialogue of you know for example let's say but it's trying to lead them to either a let's feel if they're going to be open or receptive to this information. And then two, if they are, and we start having that conversation and that dialogue, I can try to softly say, well, it's showing me that these, this person might be a danger to you, you know, just trying to, trying to soften it a little bit, but it's been very rare that's happened. I'm thinking more about like, dealing with past trauma, right? So I'm, I'm kind of thinking like either as a party trick or for profit, you know, don't necessarily broach these subjects, but you might want to have these emergency numbers ready to provide to this person and just yeah. say, Hey, I'm getting this impression. You might need this number. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, so in in trying to do this for a diverse audience, what advice would you have specifically for somebody who does believe that the cards are communicating for them and that the universe is trying to push this message because this person across from them? So this would probably not be a a party situation. It would probably not be a for-profit um but also not necessarily close friends, uh, but whatever the situation is, if the universe is trying to reach out to that person uh, and you are an unwilling participant in that communication, how might you approach that? Let's say the cards, I mean, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I'm like, I'm getting that impression that there's some kind of a an inappropriate or a you know a very dangerous situation here i would probably start asking some questions so that just it's like something, danger signs something something that she that soft blow is using yes, that soft it's i am trying to plant a seed that they need to pay attention yeah. to a situation i 
I am not comfortable because what if I'm wrong? What if I'm totally reading the situation wrong and I don't want to cause a situation, like I I don't want to lead them down the wrong path. So I would say, I would try to plant the seeds of like, pay attention to the situation, ask the right questions. Maybe family therapy is a thing that needs to happen here. Maybe that will help, help the family dynamic. And then I'll let the therapist take over from there. Like the professional will take over from there. And what, what if it is dealing with like past trauma, would you even bring up, you know, the word rape? No, probably not. No, no, no. It's, 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 no, that is, no, you don't bring that up. And, Mm -hmm. and even if you do see it, it doesn't mean we want to talk about it. And it Mm -hmm. means that you don't want to bring it up. So that's how I've always viewed it as, you know, it's, I see this trauma, it sucks and we don't need to, but I see that it, that it matters now because of this. And then we're going to go and talk about this. Okay. So, I, I would so, suggest he, like, I would suggest that it, ha- that there's a past trauma that has not been resolved, that you haven't healed and it's something that needs to be addressed, but it's, it is a very personal topic. Yeah. It's also it's also not necessarily something that I mean, I'm not a therapist and I don't have a relationship with the right. person unless I do have a relationship with the person. Like if I'm reading you or Joanne or another friend of mine that I'm I feel close to, that's a different story. And I do know some of their past or I, you know, I know where I can go with them. But for an absolute stranger or someone that's just kind of an acquaintance, um, I would make it a very I would go very broad with it. I take a very broad perspective. Even if I'm getting pinpoint rape, you were raped or someone you know was raped. I'm not going to say the word. Um, I'll say it sounds, it, it looks to me like there's something, a difficulty, a trauma from your past that has not yet been resolved and it's affecting your current situation and that you should probably think about how you need to try to heal or try to recover in the best way that you can. Um, I also want to make a point that card readings, especially like this kind of thing, should be done in private, not in the room with everybody else in the room. Or at least when something serious is coming up, that's the time to take it. That's the time to take it to another room. So in those party situations, you know, where we're just breaking out our cards. Right. Well, okay. So the the other thing that I'm going to add on to this, even in the case where you're being vague and being very general, like saying there's some past trauma that hasn't been healed. In many cases, if that is true, the person you're talking to is likely not in a position where they are prepared to deal with it. So even just saying something like, we, we would want to be cautious even in just saying there's something in your past that you need to deal with. See, for me, even that would feel like, like a lot and not necessarily something that I would be comfortable saying if the person sitting across from me was not prepared to take that next step. I think, and, and again, so then this is also coming from a place of not a party trick more of an intuitive hit that's where i i figure out based on like what i'm the vibes that i'm getting off of the person whether they're prepared to handle that or not but can can we as non-professionals 
make that judgment? Like it, it would, I would, it, it kind of depends on like the body language of the person. And then like, I drop it, like, then you move on to the next piece and let them think on that or contemplate it as they want to. And I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I, I might even be more comfortable saying there's something in your past that's preventing you from moving forward mm -hmm. rather than saying there's something from your past that you need to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having a bachelor's degree in psychology in absolutely no way prepares me <laughs> for any professional, no. but it, it did tell me enough to know that this is heavy material and should not be attempted by a non-professional. No. no, yeah. No, we, yeah, we're not professional. Yeah, go, go to a therapist to deal with the unresolved mm. trauma. Do not go to a tarot reader. It's, it's not gonna, we're not gonna be able to help you as much as somebody who is a licensed therapist. So that was the conversation we had about this this rape card and how you might broach those types of conversations. I'm going to have a little more to say about this in our Arcanist's Corner for this episode, but until then, I'm going to go back to the original interview and we can finish up from there. For... Mine, I do, I do have a new deck to talk about. So I'm looking at uh, a deck by Tina Gong. Her book on this that accompanies this uh, is available anywhere you get books. Uh, but the the deck itself, I believe, is a Barnes and Noble exclusive. And now, personally, I like Barnes and Noble. I shop there. I noted in the Arcanist Corner on our first episode that I was going to link some of the decks and books that we discuss uh, on under the show notes, and I was going to do that to Amazon, which, again, I like Amazon. I shop there, but mm -hmm. I would like to, again, reiterate that I recommend everybody go support their local crystal shops, local spiritual bookstores, yes. and... Yes. That being said, I'm I'm still going to talk about how much I like this Barnes and Noble deck. Uh, it's <laughs> the the style of art. I'm no art student, but after doing a couple quick internet searches, I believe this art style would be considered vector art. So basically, it's it's kind of minimalist. It's simple. Uh, not a lot of shading, a lot of solid colors, a lot of solid shapes. If anybody is looking at it and would describe it in a way other than vector art, uh, feel free to drop us a line. We do have a Instagram account, Leyline Junction, no spaces, no underscores. So correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, what I will say about this, the the designs are elegantly simplistic, and I love the color palette that she used. In terms of the minor arcana, I would say this could be my favorite deck, even you know surpassing the Shadowscapes Tarot that I've told you so many times I love. <laughs> um, the only 
down so on the minor arcana it is mostly shapes and to the extent that there are characters in this deck it's all primarily silhouettes uh when she does the major arcana she starts putting faces on them and i have to say they look a little cartoony but i i love the minor arcana so uh the three of pentacles in her deck shows two people working together to put these pentacles together to build whatever structure. So as opposed to being the one designer sharing his work with the community, it's really the community coming together and helping to build this, uh, which I just, I just liked it. So again, for this episode that dealt with community and getting communities help, again, I would like to thank you, Joanne and Teresa, for being with me today. Uh, as always, it has been a pleasure. It has been fun. Yes, thank you. Thank I love getting you. together to do this. Greetings, travelers, and welcome to the Arcanist's Corner. So there are a few things that I would like to quickly talk about today. First, I do want to turn back to our Three of Swords conversation. What I did not mention during the interview, I mentioned that the sources I was using pointed out that some of the hurt, some of the pain that this card refers to would stem from thoughts and feelings and conversations with others. We do want to recall that our swords are the suit of thoughts and communication. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Just keep that in mind as we're kind of going through these cards that those associations still do exist. As we go forward through our episodes, I will try and repeat and emphasize what the suit associations are telling us uh, just as much as I talk about what the numerology is telling us. And maybe we can kind of connect the dots and see some greater patterns in how these cards are being interpreted. But that being said, I do want to turn back to the more serious conversation that took place today. And the number I would recommend you always keep close to you, especially when you're doing a reading uh, that may go in the direction of what we were talking about today. The number is 988. Simple as that. That is the suicide and mental health crisis hotline. You can call that at any time if you or the person you are reading for needs help. Do remember that, again, you are not a professional, but help is available at any time. If you find yourself in a situation where a friend or somebody you are working with needs that hotline, have it ready. Again, the number is 988. Just call that number. Now, I do understand that sometimes it takes a while to get through to that number, but make sure 
anyone you are talking to, anyone you are working with knows it is worth it. Stay on the line. Help is available there. The best thing that you can do in many cases is just provide your support. I do hope the situation doesn't come up. I, I wish you nothing but pleasant readings. Uh, that being said, I do also want to make sure that we're all prepared for that. I'm looking forward to a lighter episode next time, and I hope you join us for that. And until our paths cross again, I wish you well on your journey. Leyline Junction is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Sternstein. My guests today were Joanne Beth and Teresa Brigado. We do have an Instagram account, Leyline Junction, no spaces, no underscores. Drop us a line. I don't have any outtakes yet. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. Not, don't for, not for this one. I definitely not. Um, but I think this is for depressing, sad. Yeah. Let's talk about devastating death and stuff. And here you go. And